What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Before we get started here, I just wanted to go over a couple of things that I need to put out there into the interwebs sphere. Um, Number one, if you're brand new to the Power Company Podcast, uh, because our listenership is growing, um, what we do here is we talk to climbers, climber, climbing trainers, climbing coaches, and, and I like to dig into a topic that I deem them to be experienced or an expert in and uh, because I want to learn from them. So you guys get to learn from them too. So if you're just joining us, go back, listen to episodes one through eight. You're in for some treats there, and I've got a bunch of great interviews uh, coming up. I've got a bunch already recorded, and I'm recording some in Salt Lake next week, or this week, actually. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Also, Nate and I are just about to hit the road for our Boulder Better workshops. Um, A couple of those dates have had to be canceled for um, various reasons that we won't go into, but uh, so we'll be starting the tour at Climb So Ill in St. Louis from August 15th to 17th. Uh, we'll also be at Boulder's Gym in Wisconsin from August 22nd to the 24th. Uh, then we're in North Carolina at the Triangle Rock Club, though that date is completely sold out. Uh, if you happen to be in town, though, hit us up and maybe we could chat. And uh, then we'll be at RockQuest in Cincinnati on uh, August 30th and 31st. So if you're in those cities, look out for us. Uh, Also, we've got some big new exciting news here. Uh, We've taken our most popular three e-books, our e-book training plans, and the most popular three are Boulder Better, Boulder Strong, and Climb 512. And we're inputting those to the app making some changes along the way so they're new and improved. Uh, We're adding some great new exercises and just kind of streamlining the whole training plan. And we're adding those to the app because uh, it's a little easier for people if they can have some constant contact with a coach, if they uh, they don't have to read it off of a PDF. I think some people prefer that. So basically those are going into the app and you can buy those and and have a coach who's helping you out. Um, And Boulder Better is ready right now. Boulder Better is meant for the V3 to V5 Boulder who wants to push through to that next level. And you'll get structured workouts and videos of the exercises you'll be doing. You'll be able to log your training into the app, and then your coach will see your workouts every day. Boulder Strong will be ready this week. Probably by the time you're hearing this, Boulder Strong is going to be up on the site. And Climb 512 is coming in the next week or two. And you can find those at the website. If you go to powercompanyclimbing.com, click on the Train With Us link, and choose Mobile App Training, and you'll see those options down there. So uh, if you want to check that out, we're taking the first 20 people um, it's kind of a, we're figuring it out as well. So we're going to take the first 20 people, see how it goes, and then we'll release it into the wide, wide world. So, 
Uh, if you're interested, go check that out at powercompanyclimbing.com. Also, a big welcome to Blake Cash, a friend of mine who's been helping out kind of since the beginning of this thing. Uh, he's, he's been involved in the app and working on the website, and uh, and he's been a client. So, so he knows the ins and outs of the system pretty well, and he's going to be helping to coach uh, some of the people on these new ebook-to-app plans. Um, so you, you know, you may get Blake, you may get me, you may get Nate, um, kind of depends on who's available at the time, but either way, um, you know, Blake will be able to send questions to me if he can't answer them and, and he does a great job and he's, he's knowledgeable and, and really loves this shit. So yeah, sign up and welcome to Blake. All right, let's get on with this thing. Uh, I'm taking up too much time already. I've got a great conversation today with uh, professional climber, route setter, coach, John Cardwell. Uh, John's originally from New Mexico, now lives in Boulder, the epicenter of climbing in the world, as you all know it. And uh, you've definitely seen John. He's one of the most fun climbers to watch climb. Uh, Super powerful style. He's climbed V15 and 15A, one of the few Americans to do both of those things. Uh, That 15A being uh, realization or biography, uh, depending on how you know it. Uh, Chris Sharma's test piece in Seuss, France, that was, you know, the world's first confirmed 15A. And I talked to John about the challenges and you know the emotional and physical toll that it takes on you of having a long distance, long term project. And uh, from first attempt to send, uh, he took about nine years and hundreds of attempts uh, to do biography. And uh, that's that's five thousand two hundred miles from his house. Uh, so it wasn't an easy undertaking. And uh, just just for perspective here, just in case you're geographically challenged like I am, you know, it took me two and a half hours to get to Red River Gorge for my projects when I lived in Cincinnati, and that's only 150 miles away. Uh, and I thought that was challenging. We're talking 5,200 miles and overseas here, so much bigger undertaking. Uh, so yeah, with that, I'll just uh, let John take it away here. He's got some great insights and uh, he really pays attention to the process, which I really appreciate. Uh, Quick note, John and I do talk about a finger injury in here that and climbing through that finger injury. And I just want you guys to understand that we're not doctors. I can't condone climbing through a finger injury. What I do condone is being very mindful of your own body, understanding whether you're injured or whether you're just getting stressed, uh, and that takes a lot of experience. So I'm not saying you should climb through injuries all the time. That's all I'm saying. I've been dealing with this myself recently on a route Atomic Stetson here in Lander, and my ring finger has taken a beating, but I've eased off a little bit, and I know when to stop. So while it's not injured, it's definitely not 100%. But I keep climbing because I'm mindful of it. So, all right, on to John. And I think, like, one will never find their limits or or what they can achieve if they don't put themselves out there on a project like this.
consider it biography or realization? What do you call it? Uh, I guess the um, how I first associated with the climb is realization because that's when I first learned about yeah. the route when yep. I first started climbing. Uh, but as I started traveling to France and actually saw it in person, I realized that it was called bi biography or biography, and it's written at the base of the crag. So oh, cool. ever since that first trip, um, it was in 2007, actually. Yep. Uh, I just, I knew it as biography, I guess. And I feel like I've heard Chris refer to it that way, too, Yeah. since I, then. So. Yeah, I think when he was first trying it, um, it was about 15 almost 20 years ago now, I think since his first attempts on the route and it was known as biography then. Yeah. Um, but you know, with our kind of American style of developing routes, um, it's yeah. not always that the route developer actually names the route. It's the right. person who climbs it first. Yep. So it was, you know, there was no hard feelings or no tension anywhere throughout the process of the name. I think it just kind of happened that he called it realization. Yeah. That's um, cool. In part with the film and the story and stuff that went along with that. And then, um, realized that it was actually called biography. It's just French ethic style. Yeah. And I think uh, I read somewhere that it was when you first started climbing that Chris did it. Yeah, it was on the... Um, so that must have been a big, big moment. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So I'm out here in Lander doing the speaker thing, and I'm yep. talking about mentorship a little bit. And mm. it's funny that, you know, when I started climbing, the year I started climbing, the first images of climbing that I saw in a magazine or in a video were mostly of Chris and it was really when he was starting to pick up momentum and yeah. he had done that route. So that was really like, okay, I'm just making sure you had your beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got it here. Um, so it was really when he kind of started that journey. So it influenced me in a big way, as you could imagine, I was 12 years old and I was like, yeah. Oh wow, that's, that's what climbing is. That's what the oh, top man. of the sport is, you know, such so, a cool moment to latch onto right away. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, <clears> I gained momentum and I'm sure everyone has their stories of like their first inspiration. Yeah. When they started climbing, like maybe it was Lynn Hill or maybe Tommy Caldwell or Chris Sharma or some European yeah. climber. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. For me, it was Todd Skinner, Paul Piana, and yeah. those guys. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. So you started trying it in. Uh, you you tried it once. I tried and then it. You came back once, years later and very tried it very briefly. Yeah. And so I went there. I was on a trip with Ethan Pringle, and it was the year that he did it, and the season actually. Yeah. And I just. It was my first day in Seyus ever, first day climbing in France, and I warmed up on a climb, and I was like, I need to try realization, you yeah, know? How can so you I not? went on it, and I kind of got <laughs> shut down. I was pretty young, and but I just wanted to see it, you know? I, I had to, and mm -hmm. thankfully at the time, I, I was, you know, at the level where I could do most of the moves and kind of climb up it, but then I soon realized that, okay, I'm here, it's fresh, like, let me just experience experience Seyus right. and climb yep. a lot of different routes. Yeah. yeah. So and that was you, my first time climbing on it, I guess. And then you came back years later and yeah, a couple gave years, a concerted effort. Yeah, exactly. A couple of years later in 2009 <clears> was my first string of actual attempts where I was tying in to try to climb the route. Um, cool. So I spent about, I think, five weeks trying it that time. Cool. Well, the reason I wanted to talk to you about it is because, you know, I've got a lot of clients who, you know, they might try a route five or six times, send it. It may have been maybe the hardest thing they've ever done, mm -hmm. and they never get quite over that hump of spending more than five or six tries, you know. Mm -hmm. And some people just feel like it's pointless to to try a long term project. I personally have had several season long projects, year multi year multi season projects. Mm -hmm. 
but mine have always been in the red, which was two and a half hours away from my house. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that seemed like a challenge. So yeah. what I want to talk to you about is this multi-season, multi-year project overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a much bigger endeavor. And just, you know, what you do in the in the meantime and how you deal with the emotions of it and the, you know, it's got to be challenging yeah. just to just to figure out how to schedule it all and how to yeah. how to not go crazy when you can't be there. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm very fortunate that I do have um, sponsors and companies that support yeah. me in these big travels. So it takes a little bit of the burden of the financial expense, I guess, to travel. But still, sure. as you mentioned, um, it takes a lot of energy to plan it out and mm-hmm. say like, all right, I'm going to France this year. And then you know, if it doesn't happen, likely I'm going to have to wait another year and then right. plan it all out again because Seyus is a very seasonal place. Um, it gets really hot in the middle of the summer, and in the winter it could be covered in snow or totally, you know, wet and seeping. So yeah. um, you have kind of late fall that's decent, um, but the days are short. And then in the spring you have good conditions but and a lot of daylight, but um, it's rainy. So right. you'll have rain days a lot, but you, you'll you be rewarded with two or three days every week that are perfect in yeah. the greatest conditions. And I think have. people I think people see all the sins, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what the media loves to report on, Yeah, and that's what all the videos are about. So people see the pros go overseas and send everything that they try. You mm-hmm. know, they don't they don't get to see the projects that are left behind and the things they never get to finish. And yeah, exactly. So I think it's cool that you had this kind of public, you know, long-term project of mm-hmm. of biography. So Yeah, I think it I mean, <clears throat> it was interesting that you know, the response that I got after I did the route because I realized that I was really open with my whole process on the route, which yeah. a lot of climbers are not so open with. I think yeah, they, it seems hidden a lot of times. Yeah, they kind of they just wait for the right moment when they send the route, then they like to share it, and, and that's totally understandable, yep. you know. But I just liked sharing the fact that I was still trying. You know, it's like yeah. I'm not giving up. I'm gonna go back and and try it again and again. Um, but in hindsight, I realized that that might have added a little bit extra pressure that I didn't really see coming. You know. Yeah, you know, I think it probably does, but. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandpa used to have this saying, throw your hat over the fence, meaning mm-hmm. if you want to climb the fence, but you're not really sure about it, throw your hat over and yeah. then you have to climb it. Then you have to get it. You know, yeah. And that's how I've always felt about putting my goals out there mm-hmm. and and just letting the, the public know what mm-hmm. I'm interested in trying. Yeah. Uh, it just it makes me try a little harder and make sure that I stick to my goals. Right. So, you know, having that that out in the public, do you think that influenced you to keep at it even though it was a major undertaking just to get there yeah absolutely i mean i got a lot of support and that you know inspired me i was like all right if people believe in me more than i believe in me then there's a reason behind that maybe i need to keep trying this thing maybe i need to you know think of different ways to approach it and come up with a different strategy to go try it but it was a lot of part that i got a lot of support that helped me climb the route really and I also coach a youth team, and I wanted to show them that. Oh, that's huge. You know, yeah. I wanted to show them that you don't have to give up. You can keep trying, and, and that totally. hard work will pay off, you know. So I wanted not just to prove it to myself, but to a lot of other people and show them, like, okay, look, you can really put yourself, you could dedicate yourself to one goal, and you just got to keep working at it sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I want to come back to that 
you know, not maybe not believing in yourself the whole time. I definitely Mm -hmm. want to come back to that, but let's kind of dig into how long it was and, you know, what it entailed just so people who aren't familiar with the story know what was going on. So we talked about, you tried it one time, Mm -hmm. several years later, you came back, gave it some concerted effort. Yeah. Um, and that was the se- that wasn't the season that you sent. That wasn't this year. No, that so I I first tried in two thousand seven, and that was that one try. And then the real string of efforts, the first string of efforts, was in two thousand nine. So two years later, okay, um, I went there with some buddies, um, Dave Graham and Isaac Caldero, Seth yeah. Giles. We were kind of doing a film project for mm-hmm. a company that Dave started. The island and the island, yeah, cool. Um, so it, the goal was the film project to like document our experience in France, but we went to Seyus because Dave knew that I really wanted to try a biography, and he hadn't been there in a number of years also, so he wanted to revisit the area. Yeah. Um, so I put about five weeks of effort into the route then, and it was kind of the first time that I really got shut down by a climb. Like mm. I, I made progress, um, meaning that I could climb the first half of the route, which is... 14C, right. um, the original climb, I yep. guess. To the first. And to the first belay. Right. And then I fell about 20 times at the upper crux. Uh, so it was the first time I've ever dealt with that, really. I had projects that lasted, you know, a week or so or a few days. and But that was the first time that I tried something that much and just couldn't do it. So yeah. it was it was stressful and it was hard. And I didn't really know how to process it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I moved on quickly. We went to Spain and just totally forgot about it. Yep. And then it was about five years later, um, for whatever, I think it was probably because I got shut down so hard yeah. that I just kind of wrote it yeah, off for a for little sure. bit. And I was like, maybe So we're in just, like 2014. Uh, yeah, 2014. Yeah. I came back with my girlfriend and a couple other friends and I tried it again for about three weeks. And unfortunately, it was really bad weather that season. There was a lot of rain. Yeah. Um, it's not really an excuse, but it, I, it was harder to try the route. It was yeah. wet almost, you know, every few days, you know. So yep. I would make a little bit of progress, and it would be soaked, and I would have to wait for two or three days. That's and so I would frustrating. Try again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did manage <clears throat> to make it back up to the Red Point Crux again. It's stronger than I was before. Five years different, so I made it quicker up to that point and and stronger. But it just wasn't enough, and I extended my ticket one week, and I still got shut down. Um, so then I had to come back to the States and I, I climbed all season and then I returned again, 2015 and this time for seven weeks. So a really long time. And I made a lot of progress on the route and I actually nearly climbed it probably about 10 times. I got really close, um, sticking the main crux move and falling on the next, or I even had a breakthrough where I climbed a few holds past that and a foot popped. Um, yeah. But this trip uh, in 2015 wasn't really about the physical, um, my ability to climb the route. It was more, I was holding myself back mentally. I was really struggling like right. to break through. And I think the main part of that was I was unable to like let it go. Like I had this project and it meant a lot to me, but I didn't want to stop trying it in a weird way. You know, I wanted always to have that, you know, big project, but I needed to realize back then that you could just do it. You can do it the next day and you let it go and like climb with a clear head and not be so stressed at the base like yep. is this the try you know right kind of thing um so i struggled with that a lot and towards the end of the trip i actually just stopped trying it kind of it got really hot in Sayus and yeah i was falling on the first part again and i just got discouraged really and i was like you know what i need a 
I need to reset. I need to come back, you know? Yep. Um, so I had one really short trip. Um, I had a trip to Germany that fall, and I only had two or three days to climb in Sayu, so I just kind of climbed on it, and I surprised myself. I, I just pulled <clears throat> on the wall and got straight back up to my high point. Wow. But with two or three days... And That's encouraging. To, yeah, it was encouraging for sure, um, but it just was enough time, and it was at the end of that entire season, I was tired, and... Yeah, I had a that's pretty... enough reason to book your next ticket right there. Though. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the spark. It was a turning point. Mm-hmm. I realized that I could just do, I could just do this thing, you know. If if I come back and I'm in a good mindset and you know I'm fit, yeah. Um, and then I also reflected on like the last season, that 2015 season. Um, like what went wrong? Like why? Um, did I feel exhausted by the end of the trip? What you know? And I realized that. I had kind of had this linear progression when I arrived to say that trip and I started doing pretty well and then I started progressing, progressing, progressing until about week three or four where I was making my best attempts. Right. And then shortly after that, it like started to drop it off. dropped yep. and I think I lost my peak. So I kind of after that looked into periodized training mm-hmm. and I was like, I need to be peaking when I arrive in Sayus. I, I can't try yeah. this route for five weeks and then magically do it because right. I realized that I was just exhausted. I was tired and I only had a few tries to climb at my peak level. Yeah, so, you needed to hit the ground running in France. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I came back this year and I after a big training kind of cycle and program that I kind of devised myself, but I, I reached out to some people and got some advice and I arrived in top form and it only took a couple of weeks, and I was able to do the route. Oh, man, so, that's awesome. <laughs> that was a thing. So basically four solid years of trying. Yeah. It was, was my... So let's go back journey. Let's go back to 2009. Mm-hmm. I think that was the year that you kind of got to the got to the same move over and over and was falling on the same move over and over. Mm-hmm. Mentally, how were you dealing with that? I mean, after... You know, we're all used to falling three or four times on a move, right? Um, yeah, and then you then you make a breakthrough. Yeah, but how do you deal? And I've done it. I've I fell on the same move of a route in the red probably, I don't know, fifty, sixty times yeah. <laughs> before I got through the move, and it was yeah, the last sure. hard move. So yeah. so I know the struggle. Yeah, but how do you deal with that? You know, fifth, sixth, seventh all the way up to the 20th try. What's what's going through your head at that point? I think the way I dealt with it was I was very fortunate to be climbing with Dave at that season in 2009, uh, yeah. and yeah. he had done the route. And, and he's a wizard. Yeah, and he's a wizard. You know, he's, you know, people that know Dave Graham, um, they know that he's a master of climbing. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been climbing for probably close to 30 years now or 25 years, and he's, you know, one of the top climbers. He's experienced the ringer, and he's actually climbed – realization so he knows and he struggled with it quite a long time not quite as long as i did but he had a siege with it and as Mm -hmm. did chris and it was comforting to know he was telling me like this is kind of normal man like people do fall at that move 20 30 times before you do this route um and except until alex migos came along and did it in a day yeah (laughs) Um, insane but that's kind of the next generation a little bit you know um for sure so it's different but even like guys like adam andre you know they worked on the roof for quite a while and they'd fall on this one move you know um so that was reassuring like okay maybe i'm not screwing up it's just the way it works on this route and i had this blind faith that like okay maybe one day i'm gonna stick the move and send the route um 
and which didn't happen because I learned that I stuck that move and I fell probably 20 times on the next move right? Um, or 15 times, whatever. But mm -hmm. what kept me going was the fact that um, I had someone to really relate to. And I talked to Chris a little bit like during the summer trade show or something, whenever I would see him and he was like, yeah, man, like I got shut down there too. Like that happens, you know? Yeah, so, that's good to have. Yeah. Like um, I said, you only in the video you see the send, you yeah. know, or you see the handful of tries, a handful of tries, something right. like that. You don't yeah. see that it was a multi-year siege for yeah. so many people. Exactly. <clears throat> so, um, I was fortunate to have role models like that that yeah. you know were like, "You got this. Like, keep working at it. It'll happen eventually." But there's still a little bit. There's quite a lot of doubt, you know, because you're like, "I'm falling on one move on one route and." I'm at this amazing climbing area. I'm in France. Couldn't I just be climbing and doing a lot of other routes and enjoying myself more? Yeah. Um, so I struggled between that, but then every day I would walk up and I would see the perfect blue streak. And I was like, I there's something more to it than, you know, a 515 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, so <clears throat> I was just inspired every time I would look at it and I'm like, all right, this is my project. I'm going to try it. Um, so that helped me keep moving, I yeah. guess. And you said earlier that you you know, other people believed in you more than you did. Mm -hmm. When did, and was it, was it during this time that you started or when you were on your way home from that trip where it started feeling that way? I think that you um, were believing less. Yeah, it was definitely in the 2015 season last year where okay. I was so strong <clears throat> that season. I had, I had a really good rifle season oh, yeah. straight after. And yep. I was in that really rifle struggling. season you did shadow boxing mm -hmm. and, yeah. flashed waka flaka is that right yeah yeah, yeah and on sighted some hard roots and yeah you were was, on a tear there i was kind yeah. of on a good momentum <laughs> and i was just asking myself like why am i climbing so well in rifle now after feeling so tired in Sayus just three weeks ago and oh, what man. happened was i was um <clears throat> climbed in Sayus for almost seven weeks and then i came home and i rested almost 10 days no climbing yep and then i climbed really lightly for a few days and i went to rifle yeah and then Boom. And within two weeks, I was climbing better than I ever had before. And I was like, oh, I tapered pretty much or I rested and my yep. body caught up. And yep. I have all this reserve of um, endurance. I, I climbed 14C bottom half biography 40 times in the past yeah. month. So I had endurance training. Um, now it, something clicked in me like, oh, okay, I, I need to prepare for this route differently. Maybe that's that, that was my crux, you know. Um, but while I was in... Um, I guess I'm getting off subject a little bit, but no, while it, I was in it. on that trip, um, I just doubted myself, I guess, because, <clears throat> and I don't know if it was, maybe it was just like my excuse or something. <laughs> Cause like everyone's like, you got excuse. this. If you, yeah. If it's, you know, if it's in your brain, then that, yeah. that it controls just what your body does. So. Yeah. It's not an excuse. It's a real thing. Yeah. And I guess like the, I guess I didn't doubt myself so hard. It was just like when I would tie into the route that season and I would look up, I'm like, this could be the time you could do it. And, it, yep. and when something means that much to you and like a climbing project, um, that's a lot of pressure, you know, because yeah, like, no doubt. how is it going to feel <clears throat> when I do it or something like that? Or like, I can't wait until this is over because I'd worked so hard for it. You know, Yeah. I just wanted to see that moment, but I realized that I had to be patient and I just had to let it kind of rest, you know, and that's what eventually happened. You know, I, I was patient and I was really excited to climb in Seuss this season. And um, I was emailing or writing Jonathan Segrist a lot. And he was yeah. like, wait for it. Just be and he patient. He had just done it not too long before. Right? Yeah, he did it the year before yeah. or two years before. But he, he had it fresh in his mind, his experience, you know, because right. 
he he kind of had um he had one season on it but a long season so he definitely yeah. fought with it quite and he's a bit. used to sending things pretty fast yeah so. yeah he's yeah. yeah he's used to doing things fast so this was i think his first big challenge also yeah. um his big hurdle in climbing um, so you were coming off of you came back from Seuss and then had your rifle season yeah Oh, yeah. I thought your rifle season was before Seuss. Well, I had a mini rifle season before. I, I had done Kryptonite, um, this oh, fruit yeah. tomfoolery. Yeah, at the Fortress. Um, I had like a pretty good like early season, and then I bouldered a little bit, and yep. then I went to Seuss, and this was last year. Um, oh, okay. So I was like, I'm strong. You know, I just did, you know, the first 14 plus in the United States. You know, like I'm, I have a momentum going a little bit, but... Biography is another level, and that's what I soon realized when yep. I got back on it. I was like, oh, okay. You know, kryptonite's hard, but this is really hard. Right. You know? And then the rest um, that you took once you got back into the States, mm-hmm. it seems, you know, just from reading, and correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. when you went this season, you got shut down by weather briefly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you were kind of forced to rest for yeah a little longer and try some other things try and, some other things yeah. um that was the key so what happened is i arrived to say and actually my first day i repeated biography the first part and that yep. was kind of a breakthrough i was like all right i'm stronger now like yeah i could do this um and then the next day or maybe we rested or something like that and i um i climbed some other routes i didn't really focus on biography right away i was like you have six weeks, relax, you know, don't just dive into it, you know, like right. enjoy. So I climbed some routes that I really wanted to climb in Seuss before, and I regretted not trying them the season before. So yeah. I kind of approached it like, do these now, like go check it out, like explore a little bit. Um, and then I tried biography a little bit and I was making steady progress. So like the difference with this season was every try was a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And then eventually within... And this the, is several years in, still making progress. Yeah, still which making... Is, which is fun to see. Yeah, and it was coming a little easier, probably because I had it so dialed already. You know, it was September, so I was trying it now in May. It wasn't that long since I last tried right. it. You know what yeah. I mean? And September was only a couple of days, but it was a try. You sure, know? sure. So it was really fresh in my mind. I was well-trained. Um, so it was coming really quick, and I think I was viewing it as like really nice linear progression. And then the rain came, and so you probably my first after four or five days, and we were like, we can't climb, and so you you know it's raining three or four days in a row. So yeah. we went to Nice, <clears throat> and we climbed around Nice a little bit. There's some overhanging crags that stay dry, mm-hmm. and then I discovered, um, well, I didn't discover, but I learned of this new area, or not a new area, but a classic area called Saint Leger. Okay. Um, it's in the south of France too. It's really steep, rodier style, like colonnette climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, total opposite of Seyus. So yeah. Anyone knows yep. Seyus is like yeah, vertical not... face pocket climbing. Right, little tiny pockets. Yeah. yeah. So I went there and I did a lot of on-site climbing, and I I did tons of volume, and I was just not even worrying about biography. I was like, it's there. I'm going back. Um, so I did a lot of that, and then I would do a couple of days in Seyus and make progress in biography. And then we'd do another day in Saint-Léger and I would do some hard on sites and, and stuff like that. So I wasn't stuck in project mode. I was just kind of like, I'll try it when I feel good. Cool. So even much. when you got back to back to the project, mm-hmm. you were still going and doing other things. Yeah, I would try probably yeah. biography one or two days and then I would go and try other things. I totally like yep. separated myself from it until I had a kind of a breakthrough where I stuck the crux again and I'm like, wow, I'm sticking it pretty solid. 
mm-hmm. and I fell in the next move and I'm like, all right, now's your time. You need to focus and you need to zone in. Yeah. So I kind of rode off San Leger for a little bit and I'm like, I'm going to see this to the end now. Um, yeah. And then I think after that moment it was only two or three days after I made the little breakthrough that I sent the route. So cool. Yeah. And knowing that it's the time to focus in reminds me of something else that I read and I think you touched on it really briefly earlier. Mm-hmm. There was a moment, I believe, during the wet season, which was 2009. Is that right? 2014. Uh, 14 was the yeah. wet season. Okay. Yeah. So during the wet season, I think it was, that you had a little mini breakthrough mm-hmm. where you were feeling good, your foot slipped, mm-hmm. you fell, but then on your next go, you had a breakthrough. Is that right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Actually, this might have been in last year. Um, okay. I, I had the biggest breakthrough I had on the route. Um, I stuck the, the, there's a big stab to a pinch pocket. Okay. And then yep. I, I stuck the next move and then the next move after that. And this is at a point where theoretically, if you're in control, you're you're sending, you're doing the route. Right. You're done. Right. You know? um, but moments before that, I was <clears throat> trying it with this guy, Stefano Gasolfi. He's a Italian that ended up climbing it. Mm-hmm. And he had fallen moves past that he like his foot slipped too oh, and yeah and he had fell in twice on those moves and somehow i fell too you know and oh man it was just like ah oh, you know like it was frustrating and it was stressful you know rather than being like excited about it i was upset about it sure you know um so that breakthrough like halted me i guess and that season yeah um instead of helping me okay yeah that's interesting yeah whereas i had yeah. i had a similar situation and mm-hmm. I, I know you've done this route transworld depravity mm-hmm. in red yeah um where i was sending i was i was through everything i was on the head wall yeah and it was yeah. soaked up there and and i thought i was through the wetness i had climbed that last like like mantley lock off crux mm-hmm. was yeah. soaking wet and yeah. i climbed through that was on the head wall thinking i was out of the wet got to the crimps and they were soaked, little puddles in the bottom <laughs> yeah. of them. And I yeah. thought, I'm going to rest over there on those good and cut crimps, but yeah. they, were, they, were they were little wet. puddles. Yeah. And and I ended up falling, going to the finish hold. Yeah. And that was my last go of the season. Oh, man. And yeah. I, had, I had some moments during the off season where I was like, am I going to get back on it? Like, mm-hmm. in my head, I already did it. Like, it yeah. was over. Yeah. I should have just done it. And I now I know I can do it. So is the chase that exciting anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But ultimately it came back to what you just said, where you'd look up at that perfect blue streak mm-hmm. and you know there was something more than just the 515 grade, or in my case, the 514 grade, mm-hmm. where I really love climbing on the route. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to go back and do it and finish it off. Yeah. Were there ever any moments where you were like, man, I don't know if I'm going back or not? Yeah, I mean, I would say at the end of every of those trips where, like, I I got close and then I was like, all right, it's time to go. Yeah. I was kind of like, am I, you know, am I really going to come back and, right. and put myself through this again? But it didn't take much convincing to say, like, yeah, I'm yep. come back, you know. Yeah. But I definitely, yeah, there was a little bit of doubt, you know, but it didn't last long, I guess. Um, just because I knew deep down, like, even if I told myself, like, maybe next year, like, go somewhere else, like go to Australia and go climbing a Taipan wall or something. And yeah. then I was like, no, like, you know, you want to do this. You could do this. Yeah. You know? See it through. See it through. Yeah. Yeah. And then and you can go. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. doubt. It's or always, it's like going to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Taipan wall will be there. So. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So 
I know you've been with Chelsea for a while, mm-hmm. right? How was it with her? Like, I know she also had a kind of a long distance battle with Thanatopsis mm-hmm. in the red. Yeah. Um, how was that battle with her? Was it important to have her support or was it totally internal for you? You know, it was, it was good to have her support for sure. And, um, I think, you know, she was a huge support of mine and so was my friend Maddie, um, Maddie the, Hong. the two biggest supports. Yeah. Yep. And they both, um, <clears throat> Chelsea, you know, very much so like just knew that like I could do it, but she saw that I was struggling mentally, you know, to accept it. Like, yeah. You know, because I, I guess I had this thing where I just watched this video of Ethan Pringle. Um, yeah, the Jumbo Jumbo Love video. And I'm yep. good friends with Ethan. And it, it resonated really well with me because he had these moments where he was like, maybe I'm not good enough to do this route. Or maybe I shouldn't. I don't belong up here trying this route. Right. And I, I had moments where I was like that, too. And I would say that. Um, and Chelsea was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're here. You're doing it. You're the only guy tying in to try this route. Like, right. you belong here to try it. Like, yeah. You know? and I think that's easy to forget. In, yeah. In in all levels. Yeah. In a, in know? every level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. I have I have clients who are trying to break into five twelve, and oh. I can see that they're ready for five twelve, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you need to get on it, get on yeah. it, and try it. Don't be discouraged. Work it out. Figure it out. Stick with it. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, I don't know if I'm ready for five twelve. Yeah. But it's cool to see you know Ethan's video, and cool to hear this from you that. Mm-hmm that you were feeling like maybe I don't belong here sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think that's a, that's a natural human in, you know, definitely, reaction definitely, you know, and we just don't see it in the videos. Yeah. We don't see know? that stuff. For we sure. don't all get um, to stand there and in, yeah. in France and watch you through mm-hmm. the whole process. So yeah, it's pretty cool that you're putting this out there into the open and, you know, letting people know what that process is like. I mean, I, I just think it's like, you're saying it, it, it um, it's relatable to every, like discipline of climbing at every level you know um we as humans like when we're trying something new and challenging it's scary the thought of failure you know like you don't want to accept it and maybe it's easier to walk away and not even think about it but at the same time um i like quotes that you know i don't know a specific quote but they say like the biggest failure Mm -hmm. is is not actually trying you know like right if you don't actually go for it you don't know what the yeah, you have no idea what you can do about. if you don't try it. Yeah, and it's harder to grow that way. Um, Definitely. And that's, you know, me as being a coach with my kids, that's what I really try to teach them a little bit. And, I you know, I try to make it clear that it's not just with climbing, it's with everything. Like, if you really want to try and, and push yourself and grow as a human, you got to try things that maybe yeah. you're not totally sure you can do yep. in the beginning. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you shared that. Did you share any of this process with them? Like, did they know what was going on more than um, what the media told them? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I coached them. So, yeah. you know, yeah. when I would come back from the trip, they'd ask how it went. And, you know, they know I'm trying 515. That's what yeah. matters for them. You know, yeah. and they're they're young and they're like, that's amazing. We only see 513s in the gym, you know. Yeah. Um, so I would tell them a little Which bit Which is also about amazing yeah. to me because, you know, I'm, when I started climbing, there were no kids, first yeah. off, yeah, climbing. Exactly. <laughs> and 513 yeah. was still a pipe dream for most climbers. Sure, so yeah. It's absolutely. cool to see that progression happening and and you being involved in the next level of that progression. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I try to, you know, fill them in a little bit, but I don't I don't know if they understand really um quite yet like sure. that I I went for hold France for 6 weeks and yeah. and tried one route, you know. Yeah. Um but some of them do as they get older, um some of my older kids that start trying projects and they're working 513s and stuff yep. and rifle, they understand. They they get it, you know. Yeah, and um, they'll they'll bump up against that their whole climbing career. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll they'll have so. the same role model that you did in Sharma and mm-hmm. Dave Graham and all those guys who yeah. battled with it, they'll get to know what you did, and yeah. you know, they're going to go through the same thing. Mm-hmm. They all are. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I th- I think it's harder for me to see, but maybe um um because I've I've heard other people tell me like the kids really like look up to you and they they think this is cool and all that. And yeah, you don't see it directly sometimes, you know. Sure. Because you're just coaching them and you're like, all right, we have this on the plan for today. This is what we're doing, and it's really like yep work. You know, we're we're I mean, they're working hard. You know, so yeah. And and they're yeah. working hard because of you. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah. You know, they're driving themselves, but just like you had the role model, they do too. So sure. I think yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, question about uh, Alex Magos. Mm-hmm. Did did he do it while you were in the process? He did, right? He did, yeah. And um, How did that affect you? And I'm asking because when I was working on Transworld mm-hmm. and I was getting close... Alex Magos was in the red during his like <laughs> his mega US yeah. sending spree. Yeah. And I had never heard of him at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he was right in the beginning of it. And yeah. he just said, you know, can do you mind if I try? And I'm mm-hmm. like, sure, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna be resting a while, it doesn't matter. Right. You know. But I had he didn't need a while. It took him all of about seven minutes to mm-hmm. on site it and it looked like a warm up. Yeah. And I was like, Who the fuck is this kid? Like Mm-hmm. he's super nice he's super he just looks like this fresh little kid yeah. and i had no idea who he was and it blew me away yeah i had this <clears throat> a similar experience with him in the red i think that season i think it was yeah in fact you might have been there that day maybe yeah 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 um i definitely remember him doing those roots and him doing the roots at bob marley crag yep um at least um at the time he did southern smoke and i think 50 words for pump yeah and he was just cruising <clears throat> him i was like wow this kid i haven't really heard of this kid before yeah so you already knew a little bit where yeah. he stood when he did yeah. yeah yeah and i knew that i mean he had did an action direct in about two hours yeah like that season or something so yep. to to you know it was i i saw him climbing the first day and he had done this repeated this route called lulu in demi in um berlin sector and Seyus. Okay. and those that know the route it's um it's a really hard uh, 120 foot long pretty much vertical slab 9a so Right. Super hard say use. It could be harder than biography in a lot of respects just because of the style. The style, climbing. yeah. Yeah, and it took him four or five tries, and I was like, wow, like, he just hiked Zulu, or uh, Lulu, you know? It's pretty impressive, you know? Yeah. And then he was like, well, I'm resting today, and then tomorrow I'll, I'll go to a biography sector and maybe try three degrees or something like that. He didn't even say he was going to try biography. Right. And then when I heard the news, <laughs> I was like, oh, he got him biography, Everyone was wondering, like, did Alex try biography? Did Alex try? And then they were like, yeah, he did it today. <laughs> he just climbed up. He tried it three or four times and worked the moves and made a good try and then made another good try, and he sent the route. And my initial reaction was like, are you serious? Like, this yeah. doesn't make, has he tried it before? And, yeah. you know, and I remember doesn't the days before, he was like, this is my first day in Seyus, right. you know? So I was right. like, 
he hasn't tried it before that that's amazing you know and uh, i was more inspired than anything but also a little shocked and kind of like wow here i am like 50 tries deep you know on this yeah. project but at the same time i had a lot of respect for it and and the thought that he had done it so quickly was maybe encouraging to me to think like i could do this you know like if he just did it like i could do this too you know yeah um but it did take another 40 tries or something after that <laughs> yeah how many tries do you think it took all total have, I would, you, have you tried to add it up i haven't tried um <laughs> i only counted that first season like my very very first season where i think yep. i did biography 18 times um you did the 14c version 18 times 18 times yeah. in 2009 um 2014 i probably did it 10 times um last year i probably did it 35 or 40 times and this year, I maybe did it 10 times before wow. I did it. So I would say upwards around 80 or more tries yeah. uh, or red points to right. try it, you know, and not even counting the tries that I've worked biography Just on it. Yeah. But I think when I first tried biography, the first half, um, it didn't take me very long, um, mm -hmm. maybe two or three days, Yeah. 10 tries or so, maybe less. Um, so once I <clears throat> had done that first half, I really, I maybe fell once or twice on the bottom part until I did it again, you know, yep. and I never really fell on the bottom. Yeah. It was this mental thing like, Oh, it's a checkpoint. You could just get there. Yeah. You know, and that sounds like such a huge number for somebody who's used to sending, you know, in four or five tries. Mm -hmm. And, and I try to let all of my clients know and, and all the people that I talk to know that if you're not pushing 20 plus attempts, then, then you have no idea where your limits are, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because you still have to get really intimate with the route, and you're not yeah. intimate with it in four or five tries. No, I mean, it just doesn't not happen. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, my longest term project was a route in the red called Swing Line, a thirteen mm -hmm. D, and I fell on the same move, you know, fifty, sixty times, mm -hmm. um, the last hard move of the route, and and at the time when I thought, man, I've tried this route you know, 70 times or something. That sounds insane to me. Yeah. But then I read an article about Adam Ondra on La Dura Dura, and he estimated that even though he had done it in a short period of time, mm -hmm. he had probably tried 70 times over that period. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that really put it into perspective for me mm -hmm. that, you know, we see these pros send, like I talked about before in the media, but but they might have tried it 70 times in the, you know, five weeks leading up to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hearing that you spent season after season, you know, booking flights to France, mm -hmm. leaving without it in your pocket, um, you know, and trying 80 plus red point attempts, it's pretty fucking inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I'm, you know, and that's, I'm psyched that it inspires people. And I always say like, there's two ways to view progressing and climbing um i mean there's more but i i think of it really simply like you can work your way up to a level and try something to do it quickly yep. or you can work through something give a lot of tries and i think the first way to do it um where you work your way up and then you do something quickly um almost like the the old alex magos model like kind of like the alex magos early on yeah, yeah like he re his trainers prevented him from trying harder routes because they're like right. we don't want you to project yet we want you to do things in a few tries and yep. then when you're ready um you could try something harder 
Um, that's one way to view it, but only to a certain point because I think at a certain point, no matter what level, um, you're going to have to spend more than a few tries. And yeah. Alex will reach that point at some at some time. Yep. It's on some route where he's going to have to try it more than two or three days. Like he's yeah. going to have to invest a he's lot of time. spend seasons on it. Yeah. yeah. And that <laughs> might happen to be the hardest route in the world um, because of his talent. Right. And the same with Adam Andra. He did routes really fast when he was younger because mm-hmm. he, he employed that tactic also. But then he, I think he realized at a certain point of, I want to push the standard to 9B+, plus, which he's done. Um, that's going to take a lot more tries. And that's, like you were saying, um, really where you find your limits and, and you push past them. You know, you have to invest the time. You have to put the effort in. Yeah, know? and I think that applies to on-the-road climbing too. Mm-hmm. You know, you were overseas doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had a, a long-term project here in Wyoming even when I lived in Cincinnati. And, and I think it's important to go on the road doing different styles and, and still trying to push your limits. We all mm-hmm. like to... You know, I hear it all the time. Oh, when I go on the road, I just try and onside everything. Right. And I think that's a great tactic yeah. for part of your trip or mm-hmm. for some of your trips. But really pushing yourself on every style and every different rock type, I think is really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree totally. And I think there's there's a few ways to view trips. And, you know, there's the volume trip where, yep. okay, let's not climb our limit. Let's just climb a bunch of routes, you know. Definitely. And then there's onside <laughs> trips, like you were mentioning, um, where I've done this before, I, I just want to onsite hard routes. I want to push yeah. that part of my climb. Try it one time. If you don't do it, yeah. move on. Yeah. And then there's the mini project trips where yep. you're like, I want to do something slightly below my limit, but I want to do it quickly. You know, I want to see how fast I can do this. And then there's the project trips, like the bi- biography, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, you can combine them. You could, you know, do half the trip, like, oh, I'm going to onsite. Kind of what I did this year is this what I... This last season. Yeah, yeah, this last season, I, I picked, you know... Um, Middle range 14s, um, 513s and stuff or on site and, and red pointing in a day or something like that. And that, that really helped my progress with biography because I think it built a lot of momentum, you know. Yeah. And I didn't dwell on the red point process the entire time. Only a really short amount of time that I delve in, probably less than a week. And that's mm-hmm. when I did the route. Um, but before then, it was like this mix of like mini projects, maybe yep. jump on biography every other day. Um, kind of thing and a lot of on-site climbing. Yep. Question for you. I mm-hmm. I love to have many projects that kind of lead into my bigger project. Mm-hmm. And I also like the idea of having many projects that are sort of your anti-style. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have Do you employ that at all? Did you do any of that in Seuss at this time when you were climbing on biography? Um, Kind of. I would say that what I did in... The, with this season was really unique because Seyus, um, like I was saying before, it's really kind of technical face climbing pockets. It's right. really fingery, yep. um, forearm endurance. It's a different style. You really have to stand yep. your feet. And I was like, and then you went to the colonnade. Then I went to these steep caves where I was yeah. like, because I'm kind of lacking the power. I feel like I need to use my big muscles. I'm not yep. using them on biography really. I'm just kind of mm, sprinting up there. So. Yep. I would go to Saint Leger and just like waste myself on, on the steep cave power climbing. Right. And I would leave the day like totally aching and tired, you know, all over like my core and my back and stuff. Which seems like it's your go-to style. 
I would I mean, say you, you, yeah. you appear to be a more powerful climber. Yeah. So I would say it's what comes more naturally to me. Yeah. But um, those who know me pretty well know that I actually really like technical face okay. kind of almost slab climbing, yeah. like the stuff here in Wild Iris that I checked out. That's my style. I really like that. Yeah. Um, or in say use is kind of my style, but. Um, it took a long time to get there. I would say when I first started climbing, um, my roots were in like Waco tanks and all this stuff. So I learned how to like climb in roofs and right. really powerful. That's just how I grew up. Right. And then I realized later on that I really enjoy face climbing or small hold climbing and with tiny feet and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I would gravitate towards a route like that more than a steep route. But I do realize that like the steep power routes definitely complement that climbing mm -hmm. in the sense that like you're working your big muscles and you're getting that power up and it helps a lot and even face climbs yeah so, definitely yeah so talk to me about the training just because i know people are gonna yeah want to know like <laughs> that that last push you know before you went this 2016 season mm -hmm. What did it look like? What were you, not not necessarily like what workouts were you doing or anything mm -hmm. like that, but what went through your head leading into that training season? Like what what did you feel like you needed to do to get ready? Um, well, first and foremost, I knew that I had to arrive in Seyus this time um, on my peak. I needed right. to be as strong as I am going to be in my entire trip that first week pretty much. Yep. So I kind of, constructed my training schedule with a friend of mine um ryan sewell who he, he works okay. on movement he's a head yep. root setter and stuff but he's a really strong climber as mm -hmm. well and he's super psyched on training so we did a lot of research um i read a bunch of random books and stuff mm -hmm. and then i talked to some climbing coaches uh justin shong he's just a friend yep. of mine so i yep. kind of like showed him some stuff he was like yeah this looks kind of cool you know like keep with it you know he didn't really offer me like you need to do these workouts or anything that sure. he, I just wanted to see what he thought. Yeah. Um, and then Ryan and I did a lot of research and we combined our knowledge and we just made our own training program, I guess, but it follows cool. the same structure as what a lot of is a for what a lot of people, a periodized training program, yep. what a lot of people are doing now. Um, the only difference that I did, um, was in between, I had three cycles and they, it started with strength, and then it went into power training and then yep. it went into endurance or power endurance, something mm -hmm. like that. So I built up um, a really strong finger mm -hmm. base, I guess, in strength. And then I had a period in between strength and power where it was just climbing. You know, I just wanted yep. to get outside mostly and climb. And, and I guess um, Justin called it like a performance. He was yep. like, go out and see how strong you're feeling, like and then reassess. Um, and then I went into power, which was like campusing and a lot of bouldering. And, and was your strength more hangboarding and hang short boulder problems? or It was a lot of hangboarding, endurance more or less once a week yep. um, just to maintain, sure. you know, um, not to lose it. Um, a little bit of bouldering, short bouldering sessions, and a lot of fingerboard and yep. focusing on pockets because yep. pockets, I would say, if anything, are my main weakness. Um, yeah. I'm not super strong on pockets. I, I'm really good on like little crimps, but pockets, open hand pockets, which is all Seuss, um, right. you know, is hard for me. So I was like, I need to build a base of this before I go to Seuss. And I think it's important to note here that it's hard for you. Even though you were doing, even though you'd done the 14C, you know, biography, the original mm -hmm. version, you know, at what this point, 
50, 60 Probably times. Probably 50 times, yeah. Yeah, you still knew that little pockets are hard for you. Yeah. And I think that's important to know, mm-hmm. so that you knew you could get better at them. Yeah, I, I knew I could get better at them because the one thing that inspired me or, or like gave me that thought was like I never trained on hangboard before. Like right. I never hung on pockets for more than one session, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've done it every once in a while, like hanging around and, right. oh, that was boring, like I'm not going to do that again. But I, I decided, like, I'm going to do three weeks of this. I'm going to, like, mm-hmm. really get better at pockets, you know. And then specifically, like, my first two fingers, you know, like my pointer right. and middle finger. Yep. Which, first team pockets. Yeah, like, it's just not really my thing, you know. So yep. I started hanging that, and I and I was surprised that just on the hangboard, I saw results fairly quickly. And I yeah. was like, I could do pocket moves that probably couldn't do before. And... In my mind, I thought there's no way that that couldn't help on biography. Sure, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then you moved on to campusing. Yeah, campusing, which is like you were mentioning, probably my natural strength. So mm-hmm. I just I wanted to get to a point where I was normal, you know, like yep. my normal strong self, you know. So I I got to campusing. I made some a little breakthroughs on the campus board for myself. Um, and that's a lot big. Of and that's huge because yeah. that's your that's your you know, that's your strong suit. That's your wheelhouse. So yeah, exactly. If you're and making if little make gains, gains there, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I knew that, like, okay, something's clicking here. I'm doing it well. Um, and then I had kind of a hiccup. And after the power, um, I went to, during my performance week, I guess yeah. I, I was calling them, um, I went to the VRG, and I was like, I'm giving myself four days to go climb Necessary Evil. Um, which I had already tried before, but I was like, I'm going to go try it. It's really late in the season, but I don't care. I'm just going to deal with it, you know? And I wanted to do that mostly for a mental challenge to see how I handled the pressure. Yeah. Um, So I ended up, I didn't end up doing it. It was really hot, as one can imagine, in April. Yep. Um, Not really the season people go to the VRG to climb that route. And you were right in the middle of training. And I was in the middle of training, so maybe a little tired, but also like feeling good, feeling my fingers were strong, my power was good. I didn't have a lot of endurance yet, so I was working my way on the route. And actually the first day on the route, I slipped off one of the bottom boulder problems. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, like, I think it's a fourth hold. It's a really small, like, potato yeah. chip size yep. crimp. I remember and, the Mike Doyle video. Yeah, yeah, grabbing that little crimp. It's that right-hand thing. And I slipped off, and my skin was, like, tingling, like that nasty, like, burning oh, feeling, man. you know? Yep. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks, you know, lower me. And then I waited for, like, half an hour, and then I realized, like, my pulley was really in pain. Um, it was hurting pretty bad and I was like, this isn't good. So I kind of like was pacing the cliff, like grabbing random little holds and I kind of was like, you know, I didn't blow my pulley, but I definitely upset it. It was not feeling good. So I taped up, um, just out of, you know, precaution and freaking out a little bit, you know, I was like, tape must help, you know, I'm going to put a lot of tape on. Yeah, do what you can at that point. Yeah, at that point. And I'm here, I'm going to keep trying, you know, so... I like kind of rewarmed up a little bit and then I made a try on the route and I got got really far on it, almost did it. So I was like, all right, maybe I don't I didn't blow my pulley. Like I'm still climbing on necessary evil, like mm-hmm. the notorious face yeah. climb, you know? Yep. Um so I kept doing that for another three days, kind of in the heat, like just kind of struggling like really forcing it in a yep, weird exactly. way, you know, and <laughs> like digging deep. Um and ended up not doing it. Um and then I went to Red Rock Rendezvous to coach some clinics and stuff like that. And that's when I 
the pain in my finger really kind of settled in and I was like I might have messed up my finger and I'm going mm. to France in four weeks and I still have this endurance phase of training that I need to do mm. but I know now that I need a rest like there's no way I could just jump back go back to Boulder and jump straight into endurance right. training which was climbing like five days a week like doing hundreds of moves <clears throat> so that was the hiccup really but I kind of progressed a little bit and the finger got a little better and then I did about two and a half weeks of training instead of four weeks of training yep. of a lot of endurance with the finger taped or I actually ended up not taping it most of the time. I sure. just kind of like listened to it, I guess, yep. a lot. Continue with my training through the pain. It was hurting pretty bad. I wasn't really closing crimped um, that much, but I realized that I could open hand holds pretty well. And that was kind of reassuring because I knew that biography was most of it is. mostly open hand crimps yeah. um, or pockets. And the only thing that worried me is like the very first move you do on biography is to a really, really small three finger in cut crimp. And you have to do pretty much a V11 boulder problem right off the ground. And right. you have to crimp this right hand so <clears throat> hard. And that was the finger that was hurting me. So yeah. that was always in the back of my head during training. Like, am I going to pull on this route my first try and pop my pulley because oh, it's already man. sore you know so um that was a hiccup but i maintained my training my endurance training and then just before i left i rested for about four or five days and then went straight into trying the route after that or in onto my yeah. trip you know yeah um finger pretty much hurt my entire trip there and then now it's okay thankfully. you know and as a coach myself i i can't necessarily condone climbing on yeah. you know painful fingers mm -hmm. but i also have a lot of conversations with people who the minute they feel any sort of something wrong they freak out right you know yeah. and and your finger has no damage now right like yeah it, yeah i climbed through it and i have to point out like um you're absolutely right i mean if you hurt your finger and you know you did it on a climb like I did, like the smartest thing is to rest and like just give it a break. Right. But I was already invested with my ticket and already yeah, absolutely. at this point eight weeks of training. And we love this shit. You <laughs> yeah, know? And like, I was like, I'm going to go for it. This is what we thing. do. So yeah. telling a rock climber to rest is just insanity anyway. They're not going to yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, you might as well give them something to do that's just lower impact, mm -hmm, you know, absolutely. and different, using their hands in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I can't condone it, but mm. but I hear a lot of people say that they're freaking out after little tweaks, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's probably not a bad thing to climb through some of those tweaks mm -hmm. if you're really sensitive to your own body and your own mechanics exactly. and you understand yeah. what's going on in your body, like you obviously do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think after, I don't know many pro climbers who yeah. don't have fingers that hurt. Yeah, it's, a lot. it's true. And you know, and maybe after climbing for 15 years, I know there's people that have climbed way longer than I have, but I, I kind of know like there's little ins and outs, you know, little tweaks here and there. And yeah, I know when to kind of worry about it a lot and when to like, all right, that's just a little something like take it easy at least, you know? Yep. Um, and I know when to totally stop. And there was definitely times when. After the VRG, when I came back and I was doing training sessions and I would end early because I was like, I can't, I can't keep pushing it. If yep. I keep going further, like I'm actually going to hurt myself to the point where I can't keep climbing, yep. you know, and there was no doubt that I, I had like 
some minor pulley tear or something in there, but it wasn't a full rupture and I I've had full ruptures before. So I definitely knew how that mm -hmm. felt. And unfortunately the only reason I knew is cause it, it got to that point, you know? Right. Um, so, um, I guess that it's kind of good that I knew, but it's also like, yeah, it's a bummer. But so what we're saying is if you're new to this sport, this lifestyle, whatever mm -hmm. it is you want to call it and you feel something hurt, take a rest. But yeah. if you, if you've been doing this for a long time and you know it's not serious, mm -hmm. then, you know, yeah. it's it's not a bad idea to take your chances with something different. Don't mm -hmm. don't pull on the same holds that hurt your finger to begin with necessarily, yeah. but be smart about it. Yeah. That's the that's I think the real... at the very minimum, at least consult someone first yeah, before for you sure. resume climbing. Like, for sure. listen, have you had this before? Like, yep. this is how it feels, you know? And Get just be knowledge. really mindful yeah. of what's going on mm -hmm. in your own body. I think that's the important part. And I, I guess I have to mention that 99% of the time, I, I would have just stopped climbing for three weeks. Yep. You know, and the only reason I didn't was I was so committed already to training for this route. And I had tickets. I had a hotel. I had a house booked. I had my car booked. Friends were meeting me. I was fully committed. So yeah. I had to somehow find a solution. And I guess in a way, I, I kind of broke the rules a little bit and just kind of kept training. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what's funny? I think... You know, when I meet the more, when I talk to the more serious climbers who've really made this their lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, they tend to err on the side of caution mm -hmm. more often than the people who are just coming up through 511 mm -hmm. and are super, super psyched to get better at climbing. And, yeah. you know, they see this huge, you know, progression in front of them that they're going to be hitting. And those people are the hardest to, to, to hold back yeah and absolutely. to stop so yeah so i think it's like you said you you would normally take a break yeah you know yeah or I at would. least i would have climbed some climb some easy things mm -hmm. or go climb cracks or yeah. whatever you know something different mm -hmm. take a little break from what you're doing yeah um but i think it's harder to get other people to stop yeah so. it's definitely it's, it's hard to get people to, to stop. stop yeah yeah um and it you know i i happen you know i have to force some of my kids to stop climbing sometimes because yeah. they're like oh this hurts this hurts and they're growing kids and i don't want them to yeah, hurt their growth down. plates in their fingers yep. or their shoulders they're developing you know yeah and there's um, so much to learn about technique yeah and just just learning climbing movement mm -hmm. that you don't have to be climbing hard all yeah, the you time don't have to, to, pull to so really hard. learn to be mindful of what you're doing yeah exactly <clears throat> um so i would you know definitely like stretched it went for you know went on the whim a little bit, like stretched yeah. it quite a bit further than I should have. But in the end, it, it paid off. But I have to say that that might not always be the case. So if like, sure. there's an injury or there's a major we're not tweak, We're not doctors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways. So talk yeah. to me about those last, before we go here, talk to yeah. me about those last few, you know, five, six attempts before the send. Mm -hmm. You know, did you know it was happening? Were you... You know, and I and I hate this cliche. Not that I hate it. I wanted to hate it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be like this whole cliche of you have to enjoy the process and let go of the results and all that. Yeah. I wanted to disprove that. Mm -hmm. But but in my own climbing, that's what happens. Yeah. If I enjoy the process, then then it just happens faster. Yeah. So. Talk to me about those last few yeah. attempts. And not to go too cliche, but I, I'll have <laughs> to say that my last, and my friend Edwin 
um, who was playing yep. me the whole yeah, time. Yeah, Edwin's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. He, he'll definitely um, attest to this. He'll um, My last five or six tries are probably my most enjoyable attempts on that route I ever had. Yeah. Um, I knew at a certain point that I was going to do it. And mm-hmm. it was really strange. It was this like weight off my shoulders before it already happened. And I guess the tries before where I was holding myself back, I felt like I was holding this heavy bag of like, you know, like stress, you know, and somehow I made a breakthrough on the route and not that I got to my high point, but I just felt so much better on it yep. at a certain point that. And that comes back to that mindfulness. Like yeah. you, even though you weren't at your high point necessarily, yeah. you still knew you felt better. Yeah. You can't, you can't always judge it by what hold you got to or what exactly. level you reached. Yeah. It's more, how did I feel on it? It was kind of the feeling, my attitude, my approach to yeah. when I would walk to the base of the climb, when I would tie in and just be like, all right, I'm, I'm going for it. You know, like the last few tries were like, I was tying in for our warm up or something. I was just like, yeah. let's do this. Let's try it. You know, like yeah. it wasn't like, oh man, like. <laughs> Like, how am, am I, I going to do feel? it this yeah, try? Am I gonna you know, do it? Th- what's going to happen whole... when I get to that move where I fell off all those times? Yeah. You know? And I don't know what what happened. Maybe it was Ed- Edwin had a really good attitude. Um, He's always like, man, you look so good. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Like, yep. next try, man, give it another try, you know? Yep. Like, having that, like, really, really psyched attitude helped me. And I had a better attitude where I was just like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm going to do this thing next try. I'm going to try it, you know, like I'm going to tie it in an hour, you know, and like go for it. So it was really enjoyable and it, it just built this momentum. And then the day I did it, it was after I already tried it and it was like in perfect conditions when I tried it the first time and yep. I got really close and I, I'd stuck the, the crux move, I guess, more solid than I ever had before. Mm-hmm. And I made the next move and my hand totally dry fired off. It was like, too dry at the crag, too much wind, you yep. know, it's perfect. But in some weird way, like right. something happened, you know, I slipped off, but I wasn't at all angry. I was like, which is so good. psyched, you know, that's, that's an easy spot yeah. to get upset. Mm-hmm. Like perfect conditions. I couldn't yeah, pull like, it off. What perfect, am I going to do? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And every, I had every reason to be upset, but I was like, this is awesome. You know, like lower me right away. I'm not even going to brush it. Like just lower me down. I'm going to rest, you know, like, I want to give it another try today. And it was the second day on. And then I belayed Edwin for a while. We waited for roots before he could climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got on it. And then it was maybe two-hour break. And all the wind stopped. It got really still. Um, it was kind of later in the day. like So it was this like, kind of dew point was coming in. And mm-hmm. you know my friend Jan was climbing on an open project there in Seuss. And he was like, oh, conditions are horrible, like, it's oh, not doing, yeah. things aren't going well, and I was Getting like, oh, that sucks, you know, and it was two days on, so we knew we were resting the next day, and I was like, you know what, Edwin, I'm, I'm just going to try it anyways, you know, like, we're resting tomorrow, and I'm really psyched, you know, so yeah. let's see how things go, and I remember it vividly, like, when I was climbing, um, I wasn't my most solid, like, I was definitely, like, pumped in the bottom half, yeah. which I hadn't been in the last few tries, and I was struggling a little bit. Some moves were harder, but then I got to the rest, like totally clear-minded, like clear-headed, and was shook and was shaking out. And I recovered really well. Mm-hmm. And then I I went through the Boulder Prom, and I just kept climbing. It was the yeah. craziest feeling I ever had. Like yep. it was like I rehearsed it so many times in my head, but it was actually happening. Um, 
and it was it was a struggle. I was like kind of yelling a little bit on some of the moves and um before I knew it I was like set up to like do the final throw to the last jug and I like stuck it and yeah. it was totally a bizarre moment like I really couldn't believe it that I was like at the hole um I was totally pumped and I I clipped and the moment I like matched the hole and I shook like once or twice and all the pump went away like I felt oh, like I was crazy. totally weightless it was weird um and I don't think I was so pumped. It was just that, like, the muscles gave out right at the moment I got the jug, yep. you know? Like, yep. their maximum usage was, yep. it was done, you know? But I happened to be on the jug, so just a second on that jug or maybe 30 seconds that I was on it was enough. And I, I probably rested less than anyone had ever rested there on the roof. Like, yeah. I shook once or twice, and I kept moving to where the next bolt is, and it's about 12A to that point. Um, and then it's really done. Like you're, you pull onto a slab and you have five eleven above you, or even five ten. And yeah. that's when I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just did that. You know, I I, I raced it. I went so fast. Oh, that's um, amazing. So they don't have yeah. the goes don't have to be perfect. Like they don't the, have to be perfect. And that's what I really like to tell people is that like, I you know it was just the one try. I wouldn't ever guess that I would do the route. Yeah, it was when I did it. You know, yeah. and it was all because I was like, why not? You know, like yep. I'm going to tie in again. You know, everyone's walking down because conditions suck. But, you know, <clears throat> yeah, try I think again. that's so important. It, mm -hmm. it has a lot to do. You know, you never know where your limit is. Mm -hmm. And clearly your limit isn't 515 because or 15A because if the conditions aren't perfect and everyone else is giving up because the conditions suck and you can still do it carrying a pump and having a battle then clearly that's not your limit mm -hmm. even though you know the year earlier you might have thought this is my absolute limit right and yeah. and i think you never know so mm -hmm. why not give it another try yeah. and if you don't feel perfect continue to battle yeah you know and see exactly. what happens yeah and i think like yeah. one will never find their limits or or what they can achieve if they don't put themselves out there on a project like this you know you really yeah. have to discover it for yourself and, and put in the time. You could say like, okay, that that's definitely my limit, you know, or maybe I need to come back next year and keep working on it. And then you right. find that like it changes, you know, and yeah. that with biography, what I, growing. what I learned is I, I just had to grow up as a climber and, and just not necessarily let it go, but just realize like, okay, I'm here and I'm could do this, you know, it's like, yeah, you just kind of enjoy it for what it is, you know? And stay psyched. Um, yeah. You know, and that's that's where you learn, like, you know, how to try hard and when to try hard. Exactly. You know? That's where you learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's as good as any place to stop it. So, yeah, cool. <laughs> man, I appreciate you sitting down. This yeah. This is of a course. great talk. And, yeah. and I really appreciate that you can look deeper into your climbing. You know, again, back to that media thing, mm -hmm. we only get to see the surface. You know, sure. so so hearing oh. what's underneath of that is really cool. I think it's definitely cool for me. I'm sure it's cool for everybody who's yeah. listening. So. I hope so. I hope it inspires people to try harder on their projects or approach climbing differently and enjoy it more. You know. Yeah. Man, that was a fun conversation with John Cardwell. Um, first off, huge thanks to John for sitting down and taking time out of his busy schedule here in Lander during the International Climbers Festival. Oh man, I really appreciate it. And you know, I really, I really admire that John put so much energy into the process and uh, into 
just the the ins and outs, the fine details of the process, and and he's totally okay with being open about you know the the challenges of it and you know the the struggles that he went through. And at the same time, he he understands that he's got some some pretty important help from sponsors and from the community. Uh, so huge, huge thanks to John Cardwell for sitting down. Uh, before we go, don't forget we've got the new ebook to app plans up. Boulder Better is ready now. Boulder Strong will be by the time you're hearing this, most likely. And uh, we're only taking the first 20 people. Also, uh, be sure to check us out if you are in any of the cities that Nate and I are going to be visiting. Um, we'll be at Climb So Ill. We'll be at Boulder's Gym in Wisconsin. We'll be uh, at RockQuest in Cincinnati. Some, all those workshops have open spots, so check us out. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Uh, no Twitters. You guys know that. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this